Can we just give Jesus a standing ovation? Come on, let's, let's lift our voices, lift our hands. Tell Jesus how much he means to us. Father, we love you. Jesus, you are king. You are Lord. You are master. And we stand for you and we clap for you, Lord, and we thank you for everything you do for us. Have your way in this place this morning, Jesus. Speak to us right now, God. Open up our hearts and give us the truth. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. How many know we cannot outclap Jesus? Can never praise him enough, amen? That's why we start from the very beginning to the very end, clapping and shouting and praising and giving God the glory that he deserves, amen? Well, I want to give you a word. I want to get right into the word this morning. I'm excited about what God wants to speak to us. I pray that he would open up our hearts and our spirits to receive his word. How many went through some doors this morning to get to church? Like actual doors, right? Bathroom door, bedroom door, front door, your door, car door, church door. You probably went through at least four or five doors to get into the sanctuary this morning. Then if you went back to see the kids or any of that stuff, it was five, six, seven doors. Doors, how many of those doors are important? How many like doors when, when there's something dangerous on the other side and you can lock it? How many know that's a good door? When you can lock your door at night and go inside and be sure that no one's going to come in and rob you or steal anything, that's a good door. But how many don't like doors that shut? Meaning you've got to go get something, and how many have ever gone to, this, to let's say, a restaurant you're with your family and you're all excited to go eat. This happened to Carl and I and my in-laws on our trip. And we went to a restaurant. We were all excited to go in and the door didn't open. So they were closed. That's not a good door, amen? Or how about if you got to go to the store and get something and you get there after they're closed. And you need something. Like where we live, it's not close to get to the store. So it's 20 minutes to Walmart if something in our city is not, not open. So we went to Bridgeport uh, Supplies yesterday to get some um, ven ven venom for the What's another word from that? It's not the right word. Poison, thank you. Poison for the bugs, because I was cleaning out my man cave and found two more scorpions, and I got bit by one of these during COVID. I've survived COVID this year and a scorpion bite, by the way, <laughs> in my own bed. And so there were scorpions, but they were dead scorpions. How many like dead scorpions better than live scorpions? And so I said, I got to go get some more venom. So I got to the store, and I bought it, and I looked up at the clock, and it was like, like a library, and it was real quiet. I'm like, why is it so quiet? And they said, we're about to close. So I got there five minutes before. How many know when that door shuts and they close, you can't get what you need? Well, today we're living in a time that there's a door that is open right now. And it is a door of grace. And it is a door of salvation. And it is a door of mercy. And Jesus is saying, come on in. Come on in. I want you to have life. I want you to have life abundantly. I want to do amazing things in your life. But I want to tell you this morning, church, that that door of grace is going to shut one day. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Amen? I want to look at Psalm chapter 116 and verse 5. And I want us to focus on this this morning. This is going to be a good gospel message. How many like the gospel? How many like good news? And how many like the truth? I want the truth. I don't want lies. I don't want deception. I want to read the Bible, and I want to get exactly what the Bible says. Watch what this says. This is Old Testament. This is David speaking in this psalm. And he says, gracious is the Lord. At, at, at offering, we ask that question, is, has God ever failed or God ever lied? I want to ask you, has God ever not been gracious to you? How many know we could stop for hours and think about the grace of God? Gracious is the Lord, and He's righteous. No sin in Him. He doesn't make mistakes. And then look what it says. Yes, our God is merciful. How many believe God is a merciful God? If we could have a glimpse this morning of what hell looked like, if we could have a smart, slight idea of what eternity without God looks like, we would say, God is so merciful. You're here this morning because of God's mercy. You're here this morning because of God's grace. Amen? And as we talk about grace and mercy, I want to break this down. I want to make it simple if you're taking notes. Some people don't really understand what grace is. We hear it, and it's not saying grace at your meal. Hey, let's say grace. Uh, grace is, is beyond our understanding, and the Bible tells us this is basically what grace is. And I'm going to give you some verses. I'm going to give you a lot of verses today. 90% of my message is going to be verses. 10% of me throwing in the glue between. But grace is this. 
getting from God what you do not deserve. Okay? What are we getting from God? Salvation, forgiveness, eternal life, heaven, all kinds of good stuff. So grace is getting from God, receiving from God a gift that we do not deserve. How many understand that? Are you clear on that? Mercy is not getting from God what I do deserve. I just want that, I want that to simmer for a second. I want you to understand that, that what that verse was saying, grace and mercy, grace and mercy, grace and mercy. He's a gracious God. He's a merciful God. And so the Bible tells us that, that God loves me and gives me a free gift of salvation that I cannot earn, and I get heaven when I deserve hell. And mercy tells me that I don't get hell that I deserve because of his mercy. So how many could know we could just say amen and go home right there on that? Sometimes you can take one verse and go a whole week on it. That's, that's what God is telling us, grace and mercy. Now watch Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to look at a few verses. We're going to look at 4 and then 7 through 9. Now this is straight out of the Bible. He says, but God, and it was mentioned at the offering, he's rich. But how many know there's a richness that is better than money, even better than health? And that richness is mercy. Again, not getting. Do you understand that this morning? What we deserve is hell. What we deserve is jail. What we deserve is separation from God. But the Bible says that he doesn't give that to us. It says, but God who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us. Now watch how we're saved. If you're here in this place and you are saved, you believe Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose from the dead, and resurrected out of that grave, and is coming back, for, for, went, ascended into heaven, is coming back again, the Bible says here's how. That in the ages to come. See, we're in an age right now called the age of grace. Grace. Since Jesus resurrected till today, 2020, we're in what's called the age of grace. Meaning there's been a door open for anybody that would to come in. Does everybody understand what that means? That means it doesn't matter how good or how bad you are. You're not going to go to heaven because of how good you are. You're not going to go to hell because of how bad you are. There's a door that's open that Jesus says, I paid a price for you. I am rich in mercy. And it says in this age, you can come in just by believing. Just by believing. Right? He says that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now watch this. For by your works, for by coming to church, paying your tithe, praying a lot, being a good Samaritan. No, it says by grace. What is grace again? Getting from God what I don't deserve. For by grace you have been saved through works. Through going to church, praying a lot, reading your Bible, treating others good, paying your tithes. How many know those are all good things? Those are all things we should do. But the Bible says that's not how you're saved. In this age of grace, in this time of grace, that's not how you get into my kingdom, God says. He says you are saved through faith, not of yourselves. I said this a couple weeks again. Tell that person again in case they didn't get a couple weeks ago. Get over yourself. Salvation is not because of you. It's not because of what you've done or what you haven't done or what you deserve or what you don't deserve. It is a gift. And how many know you cannot buy a gift? A gift purchased is not a gift. Can I say that again? A gift purchased is not a gift. It has to be freely given, freely received. He says, it is the gift of God. Lest, and then he says, not of works. Say, not of works. Lest anyone should boast. So this is grace. Watch this. No, we should be, uh, was that nine? Did I read nine? Eight, sorry, we're going to say it right there. Now watch, today, just to make this clear, put, put the background up there if you would. Today, to be saved, 
What do we have to do to be saved? I just said it. We just simply have to believe. We can say a prayer right now, and I can say, how many in this place believe? Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. Jesus rose from the dead. And you say, I believe, and you say a prayer, and you'll be saved. That's the day of grace. Does everybody understand that so far? That's how you're saved. Many of you and most of you in this place have come in and, 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 and said that prayer and, and, and given your life to Jesus. And what saved you was not you having it together. What saved you was you putting your faith in what Jesus did on the cross for you. So you believe in the gospel, period. A lot of religions and a lot of churches and, and a lot of times even the way we can be raised, we can add stuff to that. Well, it's by grace, but you got to be a good person. It's by grace, but, and we add on. Those things, again, coming to church, paying your tithes, praying, reading the Bible, doing what's right, loving your neighbor, all those things are things we should do. They're not what makes us right with God. What makes us right with God is that he was a door, and he said anyone who comes through this door can come in. All you have to do is believe that I am the door. And by grace, you can come in. You don't deserve it. You're not worthy of it. But I died for you while you were a sinner, and you can come in. Okay? That's today the day we live in. But I want you to understand, church, in the time frame of where we're at, in this world today we're living in, there is coming a day when the door of grace is going to shut. When these days where we can come to church like this, didn't we get a little bit of a piece of it this year? Didn't we get a little glimpse of it this year where, where we were told by our government, you can't go to church, you can't congregate together, you have to do this, you have to do that, and, and, and something that we could take for granted today of just coming to church, just waking up, getting in the car, coming to church, was taken away from us. Was it not? Some churches still aren't back in. Some churches still aren't having church in their, in their, in their congregations, in their sanctuaries. And so there's coming a day when this normal, everyday life is going to end and grace, that door of grace, is going to shut. Meaning, there is a time we've got to get through that door before the door shuts. Now watch this. It's a great explanation in Luke chapter 13, 25. When once the master, how many know Jesus is the master? Of the house has risen up, and what does he do? Shut the door. When the master has shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock on the door, saying, Lord, Lord, I know you're in there, Lord, but the door's shut. How many know if you go to a place of business and the door's shut, they're not going to open up for you because you said you need some supplies? They're going home. And you knock, no matter how much you knock on that door, when that hour of operation is over, the place is closed. There's coming a time spiritually, church, that we cannot take for granted when that door of grace is going to slam shut. When the days of me saying, I'm, I'm going to get my life together, I'm going to put things in the right perspective, I'm going to clean up, I'm going to listen, I'm going to obey, I'm, we can't do that anymore because that door is going to shut. And he says, they'll be knocking on the door. Watch this. And he will answer. Who's he? Capital H, Jesus. He'll answer, not opening the door, though. He'll answer from the other side. And he'll say, I do not know you. Where are you from? And it gets quiet in here. Those are the words, church, we don't want to ever hear. Those are the words we don't want this world to hear. But the Bible tells us there's coming a day when that door is going to shut. And no one's going to be able to come in through that door of grace any longer. Because that age of grace is going to end. And church, we're living in those days that that door is shutting this morning. And it's closer and closer to being shut. And we've got to get our family members in. And we've got to get our neighbors in. And we've got to make sure we're in the door of grace. Amen. We've got to make sure we get through that door before the door shuts. And how do you do that? You believe on Jesus. You say, Jesus, I know that you're Lord and Master and Savior of my life. And I want you to come in and take control. And you should do it right now. 
Right now, we could do that right now. As we're just sitting here, we can say, Lord, I, I believe. And that's how we're saved. That's how somebody can die on their deathbed and as they're breathing their last breath in the age of grace, say, Jesus. And if it's from their heart, they're saved. Age of grace. When is this door going to shut? The, at the moment that door is going to shut is when Jesus comes back for his church. Stay with me. 2,000 years we've been in this age of grace. And Jesus said, as, as he went up into heaven, I'm coming again. The angels at, at the, in the book of Acts, as he ascended into heaven, said, why do you gaze into the sky? As you've seen him go, you will see him come again. He's coming back. Amen. Do you believe that this morning, that Jesus is coming back for his church? He's going to rapture, which means harpaso, which means in the Greek to be snatched from danger. Take us out. It's a picture of, of a train coming towards you, and somebody comes and tackles you out of the way so that train doesn't hit you. That's what the rapture is going to be of the church. And in that moment, that door will be shut, and the grace period will end. Are you listening to me? Meaning that from that moment forward, nobody will ever be able to be saved again by grace. The grace will end. Mercy and grace as we know it today will end. That will be the way you can simply call on his name and say, Jesus, I believe, and you're saved. But when Jesus comes back, he's taking a church that's looking for him. How is it possible that we can believe in his death? We can believe in his burial. We can believe in his resurrection, but we don't believe he's coming back. There's churches that don't preach this. If you ever get tired of me preaching about the return of Jesus, if you ever say, man, here he goes again, I promise you one day you're going to thank me for all the times that I preached to you that Jesus is coming again. I promise you. Because there are churches that don't even talk about it. Don't even mention it. And it's the next event in human history when that door is going to shut. How do, what does the Bible say in Matthew 24, verse 36 to 39? But of that day and hour no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven but my father only. Watch this. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until that day Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. We're living in days like the days of Noah today. If you were to wonder, what was it like back then? Sodom and Gomorrah. Another verse in the Bible talks about, uh, it's Luke 17. It goes from there to Sodom and Gomorrah. And it mentions the sins, and it mentions the wickedness, and it mentions all these things. And listen, church, it even goes on to say that if we don't repent today, he says those people, God will have, and, and we don't have the justice of God and the judgment of God come on this world, that they'll ha God will have to repent and have to say sorry to Sodom and Gomorrah. But I mean, no, God doesn't make mistakes. And so we're living in days today that are wicked. So wicked that God said, I wish I wouldn't have even made man. But here's the thing we're living in today, too. We're living in a day where we're here preaching the gospel, and we're all supposed to be doing this, telling people Jesus is coming, telling people Jesus is the answer. And Noah sorry, was doing the same thing, and they mocked him. They said, what is rain? What are you talking about? A flood. Why were they mocking him? Because they had never seen rain. The Bible says, if you read your Bible, that in the Old Testament before the flood, the way the, water, the earth was watered was water would rise up from the ground. Water did not come down from the sky like we know it today. Today, it's, it'd be easy because we've seen rain. We see the rainbow. The rainbow didn't come till after the flood. They had never seen a rainbow, and they'd never seen rain. So Noah's saying, it's going to rain. Water's going to come from the sky, and it's going to flood the earth. And they mocked him. So they'd never seen rain. This earth's never seen a rapture. But just as those rains came down from heaven and flooded the earth, Jesus is going to come from heaven, and he's going to take his church out of here to go to be with him in heaven. And he's coming for those that believe. Amen. How many believe that this morning?
Now, I'm not asking you just by the raising of your hand, but do you believe it in here? Because the rapture church will be like the ark. When that door shuts, nobody else can come in. What do I mean by that? Nobody else can come in by just simple grace. Just by simply believing on the Lord. Here's the interesting thing. What's the difference between the ark and today? When the ark happened and the flood came, how many know the Bible? Nobody lived. The Bible says Noah and his wife and his kids and their wives, his three boys and their wives, eight people were saved by the flood. And everybody else died. Everybody. Not one person was left on the earth. Now the difference between the flood and, the, and, and what's coming after the rapture, which is called the tribulation, is that people will be able to be saved. There will be salvation after the, after the rapture. But th- th- sometimes when we start, start to think about that, about that, that kind of gets us like, oh, well, th- that kind of takes me off the hook, then I don't have to worry about it. I'll just wait. If I don't make it in the rapture, I'll just go through the tribulation. That's not good thinking. Matter of fact, I would call that stinking thinking. Amen. Well, if, I, I'll, if, it just, I'll just, if it happens, I'll just make it through that. The difference is the way people are going to be saved is going to be very different. This is what I want to focus on this morning. See, today we're saved just simply by believing. Just by grace, just by saying, I believe. And, it's, and the Bible says, out of the mouth you confess and with the heart you believe. Am I reading out of the same Bible as you read? Romans? How are we saved? If we believe in our heart that Jesus rose from the dead, we confess with our mouth that he died on the cross, confess with our mouth that he rose from the dead, we're saved. It says by our mouth we confess, by our heart we believe. That's how we're saved today. Every single one of you here that has your name in the book of life is because you believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth. That's how you're saved. Nothing else. Nothing else. But something's going to change in the time of tribulation. And that grace period is going to end when that door gets shut. As a matter of fact, don't look at it for now, but you can read it later in Revelation chapter 7. And this is kind of want to move in this direction right here. Chapter 7, verse 9 says this, that a number of people will be saved in the tribulation that cannot be numbered. You know what that means? That means there is going to be a revival. We've been talking about a revival, and I want to, there's things I want to see with my eyes on this earth. But guess what? The greatest revival that's ever going to happen is going to happen after we're gone. Why? Because people didn't believe the flood. Because people didn't believe in the rapture. They didn't believe God's word. And so then, instead of being saved by grace, and when that door shuts, what's the opposite of that? Then you have to earn it. Then you have to prove it. Then you have to make it through what the Bible calls tribulation. You think COVID is tribulation? You think these riots are tribulation? You think we're seeing something on this earth? It's going to look like a picnic with barbecue compared to what the tribulation is. And I'm not making that up, and I'm not trying to scare you. Listen to what the Bible says about the tribulation. Chapter 24, verse 7 and 8. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, and there will be pestilences. Not a pestilence like COVID, pestilences. And earthquakes in various places. Verse 8, watch this. And all these are just the beginning of sorrows. We've got a glimpse this year. It's just a little bit of what's coming. Just a little bit. Now, is God a bad God? Is God a mean God? Does God want to hurt people? What's the first verse I read you? He's gracious and merciful. Do you believe that? What's the problem? Is it God or is it us? It's us. Hard-hearted, wicked, intense in our hearts. That's why God said, I wish I wouldn't have even made them. I wish I wouldn't have even made them. I I wish I'd have just made robots. they, They would just have to worship me. But do you realize this morning that one of the greatest gifts God gave us was free will? If not the greatest gift. The gift to choose. So we get to choose. And what I want you to understand this morning is how blessed you are if you're in this place and you believe in Jesus Christ right now. 
And you've been saved in the day, in the age, in the door of grace. You're smart people. Amen. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because we're saved now before what's coming. Because a lot of people don't understand this is just birth pains. And watch, watch what this next verse says in chapter, sorry, verse 21 of that same chapter. Watch this next verse. For there will be great tribulation. We, we could say today, I'll give you this, I'll, I'll put a check mark in your box if you want. We could say that we're going through some tribulation right now. We're having some struggles. We're having some trials. We're having all these people die and everything's bad and everything's going wrong and we're having this virus and blah, 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 and blah, blah. Life's, life's had some problems. But it says there will be great tribulation. See, there's a, a seven-year period in the Bible which could start today, could start tomorrow. As soon as that trumpet sounds, Jesus comes for his church, that, tr that tribulation starts. And the Bible calls it great tribulation. Are you all still here? See, what I want to do is describe to you just a little bit, and I'm not going to go as into as much depth as I could, but I want to describe to you just a little bit what grace looks like compared to tribulation. He says, never, sorry, sorry, there will be great tribulation, such has not been since the beginning of the world. Until now, and no, nor shall there ever be again. Let me give you an example. How many remember the Holocaust? You see your hand if you've at least heard of that in school. It was a long time ago. Six million Jews were killed by Hitler and his people. Does that ring a bell? Auschwitz. Six million. I don't know the span. It was a span of a couple years or how, exactly how long was it. That doesn't matter. But six million people died. Let me give you an understanding of what the tribulation is going to look like. I, I could spend a whole message Maybe I should on what the tribulation is going to look like. But let me give you, let me give you, give you a little understanding. In, in, in the time when Hitler killed those Jews, six million people died for the whole time. It is estimated, there's almost eight billion people on this earth right now. It's estimated that during the tribulation, two million people will die every day during the tribulation. Two million. We've had... Hundreds of thousands of people die of this COVID, and that's horrible. It's a sad thing. Two million a day. We think this is bad. This is nothing compared to what is coming, church. Scripture shows us that there is a time coming that is no longer a time period of grace. Can I get an amen here to know you're all still here? Am I talking to sinners or am I talking to saints here this morning? Because here's what happens. When you give a state of the union, means the president stands up and says, this is what our country looks like. When you hear what I just said, it gives you a state of your soul. Because when you hear that that's coming, it's either going to, and you hear the rapture and you hear that Jesus is coming, it's either going to make you very happy or it's going to make you very scared. If you're saved and you understand grace and you understand mercy and you understand what Jesus did on the cross for your sins, you are waiting and looking and watching and hoping and praying that Jesus will come soon so that you can be taken out of here before this time of tribulation comes. And there's people that will say, oh, you're one of those people who wants to escape everything. Yes. I'm, just a, I'm not real smart. I'm just smart enough. To want to escape. If God says I can, I'm going. It'd be like right now, if I told you at, 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 at 12.15, a fire is going to sweep through the building. But at 12.10, you can get up and run out that door and be saved. Who would get up and run out the door at 12.10? That wouldn't be, too, right? Okay. Or who would say, you know what, I'm going to see if I can make it through the fire. That's the mentality that some Christians have because they don't know their Bible. They don't read their scriptures. This isn't a mystery for us today. God has it all written out. And there's a time coming of testing of this earth. There's a time coming when God is going to bring his judgment on this earth. But there is going to be a great revival. 
how does that work then? How, how is it possible that we're talking about how horrible it's going to be, but at the same time there's going to be all these people saved? But I want you to see the difference between the day of grace and the day of tribulation. Salvation today and salvation in the tribulation. There's only one scripture that's very clear on what has to happen to be saved in the tribulation. Okay, let me re reiterate, reiterate this again. What do we do today to be saved? Believe in our heart. Confess with our mouth. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And because of my belief in what he did on the cross, I'm saved. I haven't seen Jesus. I haven't touched him like Thomas. But I believe. I believe he went into the grave. I believe he rose from the dead. I believe he ascended into heaven. I believe he's coming back again. That's what saves me. That's what saves you. Let's see what salvation looks like in the book of Revelation during the tribulation. Because, again, Revelation 7, verse 6 says there's going to be a number, that, a, a, a amount of people that can't even be numbered that are going to be saved. Watch what it says has to happen. Let's look at Revelation 20, verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. That's to us, the believers. Then I saw the souls of those who had been saved by grace in the tribulation. <clears throat> See what's in red? Get, get, get a little picture here of the difference between today's salvation and how you'll be saved in the tribulation. What does it say is going to happen to those people? They will be beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God. Now stay with me. How are we saved today? Grace. Nothing we can do to earn it. How are they going to be saved in the tribulation? By giving their lives. Today I don't have to get, I, there's, a, there's a spiritual giving of my life. I lay everything down. I surrender everything to God, but that's not what saves me. How much I come to church doesn't make God love me more. How much I read the Bible, none of those things save me. I'm simply saved by grace. But to be saved in the tribulation, I will have to do a work. And that work will be to lay down my life. See, in the, in the age of grace, Jesus laid his life down. So all we had to do was believe to be saved. But in the tribulation, because I wouldn't listen to God's word, and wouldn't listen to what God said, I wouldn't listen to the preacher saying, Jesus is coming soon. Now, in the tribulation, God says, I need you to prove to me that you love me, and you got to give your life and be beheaded for your faith. Are you reading the scriptures? You will not see anywhere in Revelation another place of salvation or another way of salvation but that. So how dangerous is it to think, well, if I don't make it in the rapture, I'll just make it in the tribulation. How dangerous is that? Where are you promised, scripturally, that you're going to have a chance to repent like that in the, new, in, the, in the times of tribulation? Are you all with me? When the Bible says that the way of salvation will come, there will be a lot of people that will do it, but it will come by them laying their head down and being beheaded. Why? Because they did not worship the beast or his image and did not receive the mark on their foreheads or their hands. And that's how they'll be saved. How many, how many know this morning as I just read that verse that that makes the door of grace a little more desirable? Call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. Confess your sins and he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now listen, lots of people have been martyred over this time of the age of grace. Lots of people have lost their lives. Lots of people have given, we would give our lives today if that's what it came to. But that they weren't saved because they did that. They were saved because of their faith. But in the tribulation, you'll have to do that to be saved. Are you with me? Grace. Grace. And then it goes on to say they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So what is God showing us to do as I close with this? How, how can I make sure this morning that I make it through the door of grace before it shuts? Titus tells us, chapter 2, verse 11, for the grace of God 
that brings salvation has appeared to all men. That's where we're at today. All men can have it. Teaching us. How do we do this? Teaching us. That denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present age. Looking for the blessed hope. Looking. Watching. Praying. God, when, when will it be? Will it be today? I'm not going to go do that thing my tempt, tempt to do to do in my flesh because you could come back today. I need to make sure I'm staying clean and sober and not connected to this world. That's, that's a temporary pleasure right there that, that could cause me to miss out on everything you have planned for me. So I'm going to live soberly, and I'm looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing. And listen, leave that up there for a second. This has been what the church has been looking for for 2,000 years. A church, a healthy church, preaches Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming today. Jesus could come at any moment. At this very moment, during this very message, Jesus could come. The sound of the trumpet could sound, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to be with the Lord. And so we shall ever be with the Lord. And it says, comfort one another with these words. The glorious appearing of our great God. It's going to be glorious for us, the believers, who have accepted him in the age of grace. It's going to be glorious because we're going to get out of here before hell breaks loose. A seven-year period. We read it earlier. That's never been seen before and will never be seen again. How many want to go through the door of grace this morning? And our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And look at verse 14. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works. See, when you understand the grace that God has given us, it makes you want to do something for God. It makes you want to lay your life down for God. It makes you want to do right. It makes you want to live holy. It makes you want to tell other people about it but you don't do it so that God will save you. Because if you go back to Ephesians, it said we're saved by grace, not by works. Nobody's going to be in heaven going, did you see how I got in? Nobody. Nobody's going to go, did you see how good of a person I was? Did you see how many people I witnessed to? How'd you get in here? Jesus. How'd you get in here? Jesus. How'd you get in here? Jesus. No one in there is going to say, I did it. Lest any man should boast. That's why Philippians says, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, for the glory of God the Father. So we do it today. We do it right now. And here's the thing, though. Some people say, man, Pastor, I don't know. My mom's been telling me about that since I was a little kid. My grandma's been telling me about that. My grandma passed away. She didn't see the rapture. She told me, since, let me tell you something. You better thank God for a grandma and a mom who told you Jesus is coming. But that's the problem. People say, well, I've been hearing that my whole life. Well, look what 2 Peter 3 says. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some count slackness. But it's long-suffering toward us. You know why Jesus hasn't come back yet? Because he's trying to get some more people to go through the door of grace. The door of grace. The door of grace. Not the door of works. Grace. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Would you bow your heads this morning? Close your eyes in reverence to the Lord. Nobody moving, nobody looking around, just reverence of a holy God who loves us, a God of grace, a God of mercy. The Bible says in that same book of Revelation, I stand at the door today and I knock. He's knocking. See, that's the interesting thing. 
We read there in the scriptures that they came to the door and knocked, but the door was already shut. But Revelation tells us today in the age of grace, Jesus is knocking on the door of our heart. And he's saying, let me in so that I can come and dine with you, so that I can come and, and, and know you. I can come and have a relationship with you. Church, it's not about rules and regulations. It's about relationship. Relationship. Do you know him? Not do you know of him, not do you know about him, do you know him? Does he know you? Are you going to hear those words, enter in? Good and faithful servant. What a, what a plan God has for us. What a merciful God he is that he would give a church, a remnant church, the opportunity to miss out on all that wrath and judgment. That he would say, I've got a way of escape. Luke 21, 36 says, pray always and watch that you would escape these things. The judgment to come. As you're watching online, as you're listening in this service this morning, souls are hanging in the balance right now. Eternity is waiting. Some people right now are going to make a decision or not make a decision that is going to change your eternity. That's how serious the things of God are. And today he's knocking. He's saying, let me in. All you got to do, I've got, I've got streets of gold for you. I've got a plan and a purpose for you. I've got heaven for you. I've got eternal life for you. I've got peace for you. All you got to do is confess me before man. And I'll confess you before my Father. Enter in today by the door that is the door of grace. Unmerited favor. Don't wait. Don't wait. Oh, if I could show you on a video 30 seconds of what the future looks like. It would scare us to death, literally, to death. You know, the Bible says that when that time of tribulation begins, many men's hearts will fail them for fear. So what is your guarantee you're even going to have a chance to lay your life down for Jesus? If you've known the truth, if you've been in church, and you've played with God, and you've played with the things of God, what's your heart going to do when you realize you've missed the rapture? Can you imagine what it's going to be like to wake up some morning and hear the news that millions and hundreds of millions of people have disappeared from the earth? You think there's a problem with hospitals right now with COVID? You know, people are committing suicide at one of the highest rates ever during COVID. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when hundreds of millions of people disappear from the face of the earth? Church, we can go. We can go when Jesus comes and he wants us to. Get your heart right. How many in this place, all over, from front to back and side to side, those watching online, how many right now, you're not sure if Jesus came today? If the tribulation started after that rapture, you don't know if you'd be here or if you'd go. You're not sure. You've never made Jesus Lord of your life. Church, with more seriousness and more expectancy than ever in my life, every Sunday that comes is one Sunday less until Jesus comes back. I've been preaching this for 28 years. 28 years closer to Jesus coming back. A trumpet's going to sound. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. And we who are alive and remain are going to be caught up into the air to be with the Lord. Snatched out of danger before all hell breaks loose on this earth for a time of judgment upon this earth. We don't have to be here. Our family members don't have to be here. Our neighbors don't have to be here. There's a way out. How many this morning could say, Pastor, I need you to pray with me this morning. I need 
Jesus to be Lord of my life. I need to say that prayer. I need to be saved. Just lift your hand up and put it back down. I see your hand. How many more? I see your hand. How many more? Come on. I see your hand. God bless you, sir. How many more? Honest hearts. This isn't, a, this isn't made up. This is, a, this is out of a book that's been around for thousands of years. People have tried to change it, manipulate it, burn it, destroy it. But Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Why is it that we believe the news so much, but we won't believe the Bible? His word is truth. His word is life. He has a, he has a way out. He has an escape. He's a gracious and merciful God this morning. But he's saying, today I'm putting before you life and death. Choose life. How many more? All over. Amen. I see your hand. God bless you. I need to make sure today that my heart is right with Jesus, that I know that he is the door of escape. He is the door of salvation. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes under the Father except through me. I'm taking a little while, church, because I feel the Holy Spirit working on some hearts. As a pastor, it breaks my heart to think sometimes that, that there's a world that, of Christians who have heard the gospel and don't take it serious. Let's stand to our feet, but to stay in this spirit of reverence, please. I want to do one more thing, and then we're going to open up the altars. Let me just say one more thing to you that's really important. Stay with me. We, we, say, we, say, we say this every time we do an altar call because it's scriptural. Realize that the things we're saying are scriptural. I'm just quoting the Bible. 90% of what I just said, if you looked at my notes, I have very little notes that are my words. I literally just gave you straight from the Bible everything the Bible says. Scripture. It's real. And there's a parable in the Bible that talks about ten virgins in Matthew 25, the next chapter after Matthew 24. And it's one of the most sobering stories in the Bible because it's a picture of ten believers. Ten people who are all believers. And five of them have oil in their lamp, and five of them don't. Five meaning they're ready, they're watching, they're looking, they're praying, they're denying ungodliness, they're, they're not walking in the flesh, they're, they're, looking for, they're doing their very best to live their lives in a, in a way that Noah did, which was perfect. Not perfect without sin, perfect lined up with the will of God. A heart after God. And then the other five are people who, they're Christians, they're believers. But when the bridegroom comes, they don't have any oil in their lamp. They're backslidden. They're cold. They know the truth, but they're not walking it. And, and, and the Bible says that that, that that bridegroom comes at midnight. So every night the, the, the bride would have to have her wedding dress on. Because she knew he was going to come at night. And she had to have it without spot or wrinkle. And she had to be watching. And she had to have oil in her lamp. So she knew that when he came. And in the Jewish custom, that dad, the father of the groom, would tell his son, the, the place that you've prepared for your wife is ready. Go get your bride. That's why Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. In my father's house are many mansions. And so Jesus has been preparing for us. He's the groom. We're the bride. Guys, don't take that weird. It's just, the, it's just a symbol, symbolism. We're the bride. He's the groom. And the father is going to tell him at some moment that could be today, go get your, go get your bride. And when that trumpet sounds, you're either ready or you're not. You're either ready or you're not. And that groom, or sorry, that bride had to be watching. And when he came with that trumpet sound of the ram's horn, she was watching. And he came and he got his bride. And he took her off into a place for seven days. Where they would consummate and become a bride. So we will be in that marriage supper of the Lamb for seven days or seven years. 
Isaiah 26 mentions that there is an escape and you go through a door and you are out of the indignation of God. Protected. That's what the rapture is. But the sad thing is, is five of those people knew the truth here. And they were believers. But when Jesus came, there was no oil in their lamps. And then they ran and they knocked on the door. But the door was locked. Church, I don't want one person in this place this morning to go through the fear that I can't even describe to you. I can't, my words will never, movies will never, there's no way to understand the fear that you will have as, as hearing the gospel in this place and not having your heart right and missing the rapture. There's no way to describe it. So why do I say all that? To understand how amazing that door of grace is. It's an amazing, that's, you know why that song's Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Amen? If you're here and you've never said, Jesus, I want to make sure this whole world knows that I believe in you. I want to make a public confession right now. You raised your hand, or maybe you didn't even raise your hand, but you know today you want to be right. You want to be ready when that trumpet sounds. I want you to step out of your seat and come down here real quick and just stand right here in front of me. Just come quickly all over this place. Come on. Thank you. Amen. Give them a hand as they come. Several hands went up. Come on. Don't wait for somebody else. Praise God. Come on. You raised your hand. Just step out. Come down here and stand. Come on. How many more? How many more? Come on. I'm going to wait just a few moments. Maybe you're backslidden. Maybe you're backslidden. You know the truth. You're too prideful to step out, too prideful to care about what people think about you. Make God care about God. Care about what God says. Amen. Maybe you're watching online. We're going to say a prayer, and we're going to go offline here in a second. I want you to all to say this prayer with me. This is a heart issue. This is, this is grace, saved by grace. So I want you to say, Lord Jesus, thank you. For loving me, even as a sinner. I believe in my heart everything your word says. I believe you came from heaven and lived in a human body as God. And you went to the cross and died on that cross to take the place of me. To take my sins on your body as a sacrifice for me. I believe you went into the grave and died and was buried for three days. And after three days, you resurrected from the dead to defeat the grave and to defeat death and to defeat my sin. And I believe you rose into heaven. And any day now, you're coming back for me. I believe that with my heart. And I confess that with my mouth. And because of that, and that alone, I accept salvation this morning. And I ask you to change my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Please write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big praise for that decision this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.